Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to join the conversation, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope that you'll enjoy this message. church and around our country, as a matter of fact. So if you didn't know that, it is. So hey, want to say welcome to all of our services happening all week and long at all three of our locations. Our Fort Myers location, welcome to all of your, you in those services. Welcome uh, to our Gateway location, East of I-75, and then welcome to our Coconut Point Movie Theater location. Welcome to you, as well as our online audience outside of Southwest Florida. Welcome to all of you guys. So come on, everybody. Let's welcome everyone who's participating this weekend, love it that you're here. It's amazing. Well, I want to give you a quick update. Quick update. So a couple of weekends ago, you heard us talking about the fact that we're a Compassion Church. And we are our huge sponsors of Compassion International, which is a child survival uh, ministry that impacts over a million, almost two million children. Think of that personally around the world 26 different nations compassion is working in and we partnered with them for several years well a couple weeks ago i presented an opportunity for us to have one-on-one sponsorship with about 106 exactly not about exactly 106 children from chalamarca peru which is a village in the mountains of peru that our church just feels a divine flow with just a divine chemistry with and so we basically said hey at all of our locations we've got those packed of those young people and would you just go swing by there and let the Lord just prompt your heart and I just want to give you an update on that so we had 106 packets coming into two weeks ago well as of right now we have exactly zero remaining yes so awesome so awesome thank you to so many of you who just simply opened your heart and said God if you could use me in my house to impact someone else's house I'm in for that and I just want you to know life change is gonna happen because of our commitment not just to what God's doing here in Southwest Florida not just to what God's doing here in the four walls of next level church and there's amazing things happening week in and week out but to what God's doing literally to the ends of the earth. God's using us, Next Level Church. How exciting. Isn't it fun to be a part of a church that is making a difference in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth? Well, this is Palm Sunday weekend, as I talked about. And this weekend, I want to talk about Palm Sunday. Well, some of you, maybe you're like, okay, well, what is that? Like, we're the city of palms. Is that what he's talking about? Like, is this the Edison Festival of Light Parade? Like, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? Well, here's the deal. See, this is Easter week. Palm Sunday represented in Scripture, in the Bible, which around here we believe is the inspired Word of God, Palm Sunday represented really the beginning of the end of the beginning of the awesome. 
in terms of Jesus, in terms of salvation, in terms of mankind, fallen, broken, sin-filled humanity, Palm Sunday was kind of the kickoff to that. And Palm Sunday was that day when Jesus entered Jerusalem again for the last time that would culminate on Good Friday where he would be crucified on a cross and then three days later on what we know as Easter Sunday that we're going to celebrate next weekend in 13 different services in three different places. Easter Sunday, the resurrection Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord. Well, it all started on Palm Sunday. But here's what's interesting is I was even reviewing Palm Sunday over the last couple of weeks in preparation for this weekend. I started to notice some things. And what I noticed about Palm Sunday was that it actually was a day where a whole bunch of random stuff happened. No, like completely random. And yet, God was in the midst of the randomness. Ever had that happen in your life? Come on, whatever location you're at. Come on, lift your hands, right? Come on, Coconut Point. Come on, Gateway. Lift your hands. Come on. Yes, awesome, for sure, right? We've all had that. So many of us have had that experience where we look around our life and we think, this is random. And then something else happens a couple weeks later. We're like, well, that's random. And then a couple months later, something else. And you're like, well, that's random. And you can't seem to put all of the random pieces together. And it's only in hindsight that you're able to look back and realize God was in the randomness. Which, by the way, that's a word for somebody this weekend. Because you feel like your life's just a whole bunch of random going on. Well, guess what? You're looking at the back of a great big puzzle on the card table. And you're trying to put the pieces together, and you're trying to move them around as best as you know how, and you're trying to ask the Holy Spirit to help you move those pieces. Hey, guess what? On the other side of that is an unbelievable picture that is called your life. God's going to use the randomness and bring order out of your randomness. And it's going to start this weekend. So here's what I want to do. I want us to look at Luke chapter 19. Because in Luke chapter 19... We see the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And I want us to see several random events that happened on that Palm Sunday. Let's begin reading. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. We're going to read from verses 28 through verse uh, a lot. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. Here's what it says. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. So he's entering Jerusalem, okay? As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, verse 30, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Verse 32, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Verse 35, they replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus. I told you, it's random, man. What in the world is going on? Number one, if you want to write some things down, write this down. Number one is random service. What happened on Palm Sunday was random service. Okay, here's what you need to know. Jesus has made this walk from Bethany, from Bethphage, from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem 
which is about 2.2 miles, by the way, roughly 3.5 kilometers for our European guests. <laughs> Audience. No, there are some of you. I know who you are. You're like, do you have the kilometer conversion for me on that one? I do. 3.5. Jesus has made this walk like a hundred times. Why all of a sudden on this particular day does Jesus need a donkey? Why does he need a colt? That's never been written before, by the way. Biblical parentheses. What's going on? That seems awfully random, Lord. So he pulls, remember his 12 disciples, pulls two of them aside. Hey, you guys, I got a mission for you. Put yourself in their shoes. Hanging with Jesus, right? Like every minute counts. Like every time you turn around, my man is healing people, multiplying lunches. Like you never know when Jesus is going to do something awesome. And these two jokers get pulled aside for a special mission. Hey, you guys, come here. Yeah, Lord, what do you want us to do? Anything, Jesus. We'll do anything for you. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. Oh, my gosh, he pulled us aside. We totally were like a pest. He's going to, like, empower us to go do something awesome. When we go into Jerusalem, this is going to be so stinking cool. What is it, God? And Jesus looks back, and he goes, I need you guys to run up ahead to the next village and get me a donkey. Did you see that coming? <laughs> no, man, I didn't see that coming at all. Hold on, Lord. You want us to, I mean, we'll do anything. But what? I need you guys to run up ahead to the next village and get me a donkey, okay? And if anybody asks you any questions, you just tell them, the Lord has need of it. <laughs> and everything will be fine. Imagine being these two guys. That's a bad day. The other 10 disciples get to hang out with Jesus. And you get to go call an Uber. Awesome. <laughs> no, really, like that's first century Ubering right there. <laughs> What's the big deal? You've made this walk, Lord, a hundred times. And today, apparently, my man doesn't want to walk it anymore. So we got to leave him and run up ahead and talk to some guy. He's not expecting us to steal his donkey. And then we'll just say the third thing and it'll be fine. And what if so that Jesus can apparently ride it on in? What's the big deal? Well, see, here's the thing. According to Scripture, there were hundreds, roughly 350-ish prophecies that the Messiah had to fulfill in order to qualify as the Messiah. People say the odds of this sort of thing, theologians tell us, smart guys, that the odds of some one person being able to fulfill all of the prophecies about that one person that, that became the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would be the equivalent of filling the state of Texas two feet deep with 50-cent pieces. And then flying a helicopter over, parachuting in, closing your eyes, pulling one out and going, that's the one, with an X on it. 
state of Texas, two feet deep, the likelihood that one person can fulfill all of those prophecies of the Old Testament and thus declare themselves to be the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, is that probability. Look at Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Look what this verse says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. Here's one of the 350 plus. Your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. If Jesus doesn't enter Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on that donkey, he disqualifies himself to be the Messiah. Hey, some of you, God's got you on what seems to be a pointless mission in your life right now. You're looking on going, go and get a donkey. This seems awful random. Go to this job, 9 to 5. Really, Lord? Work third shift in this season? Really, Lord? Put up with my cranky spouse who's going through a thing right now? Really, Lord? Deal with my teenage son? Really, Lord? Figure out a way to get out of debt? Really, Lord? And you've got some mission in your life that feels awful pointless. Well, can I just tell you, God is always, always, always at work in your randomness. And what looks random, what looks silly, what seems pointless to you is actually a part of a greater mission. If these two guys resist, Jesus runs the risk of being disqualified. That's the power of random serving. Keep reading. Verse 35. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, look at this, people spread their cloaks on the ground. Number two is random respect. Number one is random service. Number two is random respect. We're talking about random events that took place on that first Palm Sunday. Random respect. What's happening? They bring this colt to Jesus, and then they put their coats on it because the colt was, as we just read, was dirty and unrefined. And so they didn't want clean Jesus, the holy Jesus, to be sitting on this dirty animal. And so they put their cloaks, their, their coats and so forth, over the top of this donkey. And think of this. As that donkey was walking toward Jerusalem, coming into the holy city on that first Palm Sunday, the, the people started to gather around, the disciples included, and they started to throw their coats in front of the donkey. Why? How random is that? Well, why did they do that? Here's why. Because they understood how pure, how holy, how magnificent Jesus was. And they could not bear the thought of holy, pure, righteous, magnificent, wonderful Jesus being, being tarnished by anything possibly impure. When I think about that circumstance on that first Palm Sunday, and then think about Jesus, the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and what our world, our culture has done to that name today. It makes me nauseous. But see, that's always Satan's trick. 
See, Satan's trick is always, always, always to take something that is God-ordained, that is God-beautiful, that is God-magnificent, and cheapen it and lessen it and get us to believe that it really is just common. Like sex. That's pornography. It's this beautiful, wonderful thing that God created that the world has made into this other thing. Well, we could go on and on and on down the list of everything that God has created that's beautiful that the world tries to, to, to molest, is the word, scientifically, and, and make something other than what God intended for it to be, to cheapen its value, to make it simply commonplace. And can I just challenge us, in our world today, phrases like, oh my God, or Jesus, as a slang word, are offensive to the heart of God. God's name in the Old Testament was so holy. The people of God kept it so holy that they literally removed the vowels and, and made it illegal for people to say out loud. To the point, God's name in the Old Testament was Yahweh. And they removed the E's, the vowels, and they made it Yahweh. So that you couldn't even say it. It was such a holy, pure thing. And in fact, the word Yahweh. Sounds like our breath, doesn't it? Every breath you breathe is speaking the name of God. Let's watch our tongue. Jesus is not a slang word. Jesus is not a swear word. And neither is the name God. If you want to say, oh my gosh, go ahead. If you want to hashtag OMG, add the OSH. <laughs> Let's don't be flippant. With something that God said is holy on the first Palm Sunday, they were so enamored, so fascinated by the beauty of Jesus' majesty that they threw their coats in front of a donkey on a dirt road. Keep reading verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Kind of sounds like Christmas going on, doesn't it? Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Number three, talking about random events on Palm Sunday. Number three is random praise and random rebuke. So as Jesus is entering Jerusalem on that donkey on Palm Sunday, his disciples and his followers start to cry out. They can't help but be overwhelmed and praise God. And they start shouting and they start praising and glory to God. And he's awesome. Woo! He's the man. Right? Somebody was probably like, like so you know somebody was doing the song. That's how I read it. They, there's just random praise. And why, why does it say they were praising? It says they were praising because of all the miracles he had done. When they saw Jesus entering Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, their minds started flashing back to five loaves and two fish that fed Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Their, 
mind started flashing back to a wedding at Cana when Jesus turned ordinary water into fine wine. Their minds started flashing back to moments when they had to pay a temple tax and Jesus told Peter, go down and catch a fish. And when you open the fish's mouth, there'll be enough money in there to pay both my tax and yours. Their minds started flashing back to moment after moment after moment after moment after moment where Jesus had done the miraculous. And when they pondered that thought, they couldn't help but praise God. They couldn't help but be overwhelmed with praise. Hey, Next Level Church, can I challenge us this weekend? This is, we're entering into Holy Week. If there ever should be a time, and I think there should be a time about every seven days or so, where we stop and we consider all that God has done for us, it should evoke praise in us. So here's my question. Here's my challenge to us this weekend. What's our response when we come into the presence of Jesus? What's our response when we come into the house of the Lord? What's our response when we reflect on the majesty and glory and greatness and goodness and mercifulness and graciousness of our God? Is it joy and praise? Or is it songs they're going to sing? Man, it's loud. Oh, I don't like her as well as the other guy. Hey, it's not about any of that. It's about Jesus entering into his house, entering into him. And when we come in contact with him and reflect on all that God has done for us, we can't help but lift our hands. We can't help but clap our hands. We can't help but go, God, thank you. It's okay to emote. There's a difference between showing emotion and emotionalism. This is about showing emotion, getting excited. We have biblical precedents to get loud when we praise God. So some of you, you all just been like, I don't know. Should I? Hey, here's permission. You know why? Because your Savior's entering the house every seven days. When we come into church, let's get excited about what God has done. Well, verse 41. I told you, it's random. Verse what you wanted it. You're like, you preach on Palm Sunday. So I am. Verse 41. Nobody said that. As he approached Jerusalem, this is Jesus. Talking about randomness, right? Two dudes and a donkey. There's a new moving company right there. Okay, you don't need two men in a truck. You need two dudes and a donkey. That's funny. I'm telling you, I have good ideas like that all the time. I don't get credit for half of them. That's funny. Two dudes and a donkey. Write it down. Somebody should be tweeting right now. If that's not what Twitter was created for, then I don't understand. Verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, it's too late. It's hidden from your eyes. The days are going to come upon you 
Jerusalem. When your enemies are going to build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. Kind of sounds like modern day news, doesn't it? They will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. And it all goes back to this moment. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming for you. Number four was random weeping. Talk about random events, right? Palm Sunday is so random. You'd think with all of the shouting, all the praising going on, you'd think that Jesus would be like, yeah, what up? And instead it says that when he looked and he saw Jerusalem, he didn't just get a tear in his eye. He didn't just get reflective. It says that he wept. Why? Because Jesus understood the opportunity that they had had in their hands and squandered it. Jesus looked on at these precious people in Jerusalem who had the Savior of the world at their fingertips. And yet we're like, I'm good. It's okay. I don't need that. I'm okay. I'm busy. I got other stuff going on. And Jesus saw the opportunity that Jerusalem had that they were letting slip through. And he wept. And church, I just wonder this weekend that maybe, just maybe, some of us have an opportunity at our fingertips. An opportunity to get close to God. An opportunity to join a group. An opportunity to serve Him in some way. An opportunity to prioritize your family. An opportunity to prioritize God. An opportunity to step out in faith in some way. Don't let it slip by. Because you never know when you're going to come around this way. I can't think of a better moment than Palm Sunday weekend for us to consider, to take a good hard look at our life and ask the Lord today, God, is there any opportunity you've placed before me, an opportunity to love my spouse, an opportunity to share the good news, an opportunity to invite someone next weekend, an opportunity to whatever. What an awesome moment for us to Take this opportunity to say, God, is there anything that is about to slip through my fingers if I don't deal with it right now, if I don't act immediately? That's what Palm Sunday was. It was an opportunity for Jesus to look at Jerusalem and go, you don't know what you're missing. Continues on. Verse 45. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. So Jesus finally makes it to Jerusalem, gets to the temple, dismounts the donkey, go, gets off, and walks into church, so to speak. And when he walks into the house of God, he sees people in there who were doing things in the house of God that should not be done, that were doing unholy things in a holy temple. 
And it says that when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. They were selling animals. They were making a profit on people going in to confess their sin. And then Jesus, verse 46, gets mad, and here's what he says. It is written, he says to them, my house will be a house of prayer. But you have turned it into something it was never intended to be. You have made it into a den of robbers. Number five, random thing that happened on Palm Sunday was random anger. Random anger. I told you, it's completely random. Six different random events that happened on Palm Sunday that God somehow was seamlessly working and weaving together. The fifth one was random anger. Now, why was Jesus so angry? Jesus was so angry because people were doing things in his house that shouldn't be done. And Jesus walks into God's house, God's temple, and sees this. And essentially is like, hey, you guys know better. You guys have been warned a myriad of times. And so, it's on. And he got angry. Now watch this. Here's what I want us to understand. Just a few minutes before that, Jesus was weeping. Now he's angry. He was weeping over opportunity loss because they didn't know any better. But he was angry over his kids who should have known better. Jesus was sad, then he was stern. And church, listen. We serve a God who is slow to anger. But we also serve a God who is just. And here's what I believe. I believe some of us have come into one of our locations this weekend. And God's been warning you. God's been giving you all kinds of chances. God's been giving you all kinds of grace. God's been saying, hey, I have something better for you than that. I have something better for you than that. I have something. If you'll trust me, my way is better than that way. My way, trust me, if you'll lean my way and not lean toward that addiction, not lean toward that attitude, not lean toward that thing. If you'll, not, if you'll lean in and not lean out. And God's been warning you and warning you and warning you with sadness in his heart. Warning, going, hey, come on, man. Come on, woman. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. But there's going to come a moment. Where sadness is going to turn to sternness. Because those dudes in God's temple that day knew better. They had been warned. And Jesus comes in and is like, no, 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 no. This is not going to work. Where's God been warning you? Where's God been pushing on you? Listen, I can't think of a better week than Holy Week for us to carve in some time and do some business with our Creator. Some of you, you need to figure out how to schedule in some lunches this week, and you need to fast every day at lunch, and you need to get on your face and pray, or you need to, to pull around the corner from wherever you work, and you need to walk and pray in a back parking lot somewhere and get alone. I used to do that, by the way. When I worked at the jewelry store, I needed to pray, and so I had one hour for lunch, and I'd go out, hey, see you later, and they thought I was going to lunch, and I would get in my little 1990 Buick 
century that my grandpa left me. And I would pull around the other side of the shopping mall, and I would go to the back, and I would just walk and pray in the parking lot just for an entire hour. And then I'd get back in my car, and I'd go, and how was lunch? It was great. It was delicious. So whatever your excuse is, you don't need to make them anymore. Hey, do business with God. You know why? Because it's Holy Week. You know why? Because he's been warning you. You know why? Because he's been slow to anger. The Bible says our body is the temple of God. Listen, where has God been warning us and we've not been responding? It's time to respond. Random anger. And then finally, number six, he goes on. Verse 47. Look at verse 47. Every day. So for the next week. Okay, here you go. Through the next, the Holy Week. Every day he was, uh, was teaching at the temple. But the chief priests... The teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. That is not a speaking gig I want to get invited to right there, by the way. Hey, would you like to come? No, no, every day. And we'll try and kill you and you try and convince us otherwise. Sounds amazing. Verse 48. Yet, here's what I want us to see. Oh, my. Yet they could not find any way to do it, to kill him. Why? Because all the people hung on his words. Number six is random captivation. Random captivation. Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And every single day that week, he taught the people. And he spoke truth. And he spoke revelation. And he spoke about a kingdom to come. And it made the religious guys mad. And it made the hungry ones hopeful. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in that room when God showed up? When Jesus himself was teaching, I hope, I hope, I hope that if I had been alive back then, I would have been one of the hungry ones, not the religious righteous ones. I have a feeling you hope that too. Next Level Church, when I read that passage this week, I had this picture in my mind of a church that was so consumed with God, that was so passionate about the presence of God, that was so hungry for the word of God, that they just were on fire. And then I had this thought. I want that to be our church. I want that to be Gateway. I want that to be Coconut Pool. I want that to be our Fort Myers. I want that to be our church. Well, what's keeping us from being a church that's utterly captivated by the presence of God? Nothing. Well, not nothing, us. So come on, next level. Palm Sunday weekend, I'm calling you up. Come on. <laughs> what would a church look like 
life that was full of thousands and thousands of people in multiple locations who were utterly captivated and hungry for the presence of God. I have a feeling that's the kind of church we'd all love to be a part of. Well then, let's be a part of that church. Sound good? Let's do it. What did Jesus say? He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? For they shall be filled. Come on, Lord, fill us up. God, fill us up. We are hungry and thirsty for you, Lord. Thank you for a word about Palm Sunday. God, thank you for random events that weren't random at all. Jesus, we cry out for you right now, Lord. We hunger and we thirst for you. And God, I pray for... Every one of us, Lord, as we reflect on this word, God, we now lay our lives against it and invite your Holy Spirit to turn the searchlight on us. God, we don't want anything in us to be impure. We want to live holy and righteous lives. We want to be hungry, Lord. We don't want to take your name in vain, God. We want to be the ones who pray so the rocks don't have to cry out, God. We want to be that church, that pure and spotless bride that you're coming back for one day. Staying this attitude of prayer in all of our locations. I'm going to invite our campus pastors to come on the stage with me right now. Come up front. It's possible you've come into one of our weekend services and you don't know Jesus at all. But right now, Jesus is crying out to you. He's drawing you. In the same way Jesus entered Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, he's entered this place. And he wants to enter your heart. So with every head bowed, every eye closed across all of our services, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're ready to cross that line in your heart, if you need a Savior, you want to confess your sin and just say, that's me, I I know I need a Savior. I I want to be in relationship with Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, will you simply lift your hand right now? Come on, whatever service you're in. One, two, three. Just put your hand. Awesome, thank you. Thank you, awesome, fantastic, fantastic. Come on, whatever service you're in, just lift your hand. Father, you see these hands. And Lord, right now with an outstretched arm and with faith in our heart, we just declare, Lord, that we are sinners. We acknowledge that and we believe, Jesus, that you came to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life, to die on the cross and raise from the dead. That's the message of Easter, so that we could be forgiven, so that we would no longer be orphans, but we would be adopted in as sons and daughters of God because of your great love. And so we say yes to a relationship with you now in Jesus' name. This is the beginning of the rest of our life. Lord, thank you for new life. Thank you for allowing us to be born again into the family of God. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We thank you, Jesus, for your love, your grace, your blood, your mercy. We thank you for the randomness. Palm Sunday. We pray this in Jesus' name, the name that's above every name, and everyone at every location who agreed said, Amen. Thanks for watching today. If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week.